This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. There we go. So who she does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast. I am Britton Ransford, your producer. I'm here with Bob Loomis from Max Lure and Richie Herod of Herod Outdoors, and we're locked down. What else do you have to do? Than to listen to three guys talk about hunting and fishing. Yeah, I guess drink special coffee and <laughs> <laughs> talk about hunting. You got special coffee every day now. Oh, well, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't do anything else. You can hunt and fish and drink special right, coffee. Right. There you go. That's what we can do. Yep. We, uh, we uh, recently did a little bit of, uh, well, la- three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we, we talked about some late fall. Uh, walleye fishing and, and recently we went against everything we talked about and uh went and did a, a, a little <laughs> bit of jigging up on banks lake uh, that was a really really fun day that God. was fantastic that was one of the best fishing days i think i've had in a long time yeah we went up there with uh eric broughton one of the maxler pro staffers and uh he had been hammering them kind of jigging sonic bait fish up there and so we couldn't let him have all the fun well no of course not no we caught a, a, quite a few fish. You guys want to talk about a little bit what we were doing up there and how we were you know, sure. successful. Sure. Well, you know, uh, the, the, whole, the whole jigging thing, you know, this time of the year when those fish start going on the feed bag, you know, they're, they're, gonna, they're trying to get anything and everything they can. The water's cooling down. You do get lake turnovers. You know, you, you get... You get whole changes, so the fish go in a totally different pattern, and they go on the feed bag. I mean, you know, people people hear you say that, but they, they literally do. And when you can find fish, they're going to bite. And it's just a matter of, of Eric had been out uh, a couple days prior to that and found uh, found some fish and started playing around with, like, the, uh, the half-ounce uh, sonic bait fish. And had done really well, so he gave us a call. Says, "Hey, man, you guys, you guys got to get up and try this. This is really fun." So we thought, "Well, hell, let's just run up there and mm-hmm. go see what what's going on." So we ran up there and, and uh, fished uh, one afternoon, a couple days later, and and uh, hell, we didn't even get up there till two thirty, three o'clock, something oh, yeah. like that, you know. And it was we, cold. It oh, was cold. Oof. Yeah, it, it was like. Uh, I think it was like 24 degrees and, and it was blowing about eight, nine in that neighborhood, you know? So it, it was on the cool side. It was on the cool side. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we went up there and started playing with the, uh, the sonic bait fish and basically hooked it up like a blade bait to where it, it, uh, you know, on the pole, it vibrates up and then flutters back down to the bottom and being a longer, narrower jigging spoon, that thing just absolutely worked phenomenal. But, you know, it, it, it's really funny. We always talk about matching the hatch. Eric had been fishing a half ounce, which was a little bit longer bait than what those fish were feeding on. We went down to the quarter ounce size, which was much closer to the size of those baits. And we just absolutely mollyhocked those fish. I mean, it was, 
we, we caught, we landed over 35 fish in about two hours, and we didn't catch a fish under 17 inches. And it was just crazy. Oh. It, 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 it was, was crazy. Oh, it was unbelievable. And, you know, you, you put that quarter-ouncer, it takes a little bit longer to get down to the bottom. We were fishing uh, like 37 to 52 feet, uh, depending on where we were at on, on this hump where the bait fish were stacked up. And those uh, big fish were coming up onto that hump. And we actually, you know, we, we spent time going around the whole thing, finding where most of the fish were or finding. Basically, they were, they were crawling up on that hump the closer that it got to dark. And with that quarter ounce bait, you know, it takes longer to get down to the bottom. And you're going, get down there, get down there, get down there, get down there. You know, and finally find find your line goes slack and you reel down and you give one twitch, you know, and, oh, I'm bit. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. What was interesting about that is uh, we had pulled up a couple fish and tried to bring them up slow in the deep water, you know, in case we wanted to, because we released a lot of them and we didn't want to. Well, we only killed like seven fish. Yeah, we didn't we didn't kill very many, but uh, we released a bunch of them, and so we we're bringing them up slow so we wouldn't be hard on the fish. And uh, but you know, even at that, occasionally a couple of them, you know, spit up what they were eating. And if you'd lay that little fish, you know, which they're oh, yeah, you know, small perch, mm-hmm. you'd lay those right beside the sonic bait fish. Oh, the quarter ouncer. And it's Perfect. the same same size, same pattern. Oh yeah. It's like look, yeah, that's why they're biting these now. I will say though that they, you know, color color wise, they seem to bite a variety of colors. But the ones that seemed to be the hottest were blue and silver, which looked like little fish. Absolutely. And that was that was pretty cool. Well, that was because they just planted like the week before. They planted like two hundred thousand kokanee in it. Yeah, a bunch of little kokanee, small kokanee. And I think you know those fish were eating on them. That's no doubt. And then yeah. of course they're eating the perch. white one was just yeah off the hook yeah that was crazy but that that was a lot of fun and and the one thing you know about jigging that's uh you know you kind of need to know i mean one of the things i always used to do was jig and we we knew where the fish were and you could repeatedly go into those places and jig and jig and jig them and banks lake is really large it's a large body of water and you know so we talked about trolling before in a previous podcast and if you can find where those fish are like Eric did and then hold your boat and get over top of them yeah, absolutely. and then jig them, that's when you're going to have that success. And so it was nice. I mean, he, he did the work for us. He found where they were, sure. which allowed us to hover over those fish, move a little ways, you yeah. know, and uh, try to be the first to the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Get out, get out, get, get out, out, get out, get out. He, he'd, and I think Eric, you know, he did that on purpose to me. Every time I'd catch a fish, he'd move the boat. I'm like, what? We just got, we just got on him. He moved the boat. It was know? on purpose. <laughs> he did that on purpose. That was beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was pretty funny. Yeah, but yeah. Rich caught a fish. We got to move. We got to move. <laughs> I'm like, hey. <laughs> oh, that was fun. But um, the technique of using the sonic bait fish like a blade bait, it was really fun. Now, I've used it before, and I've caught a few fish, but that's the first time I really used that very purposely as a blade bait. Um, the entire time I was fishing, and it just works fantastic. Compared to the other blade baits I've used, that one works really well. It just has the perfect little flutter, and, you know, we just give little short uh, jigs, you know, the kind of uh, up. Triple Sammy. Yeah, that's what we're we're calling it. Triple Sammy with a double backflip. Yeah, we just uh, maybe two or three in a row, but just a couple short jigs up, 
and bring it two or three feet off the bottom, let that flutter, and they just pound it on the way down. I mean, just pound it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. You know, I, I, I say this uh, at seminars and, and when I talk to people about utilizing uh, jigging spoons. If I had to pick a right. single lure to right. fish from east coast to west coast, uh, saltwater, freshwater for any species, I don't care what it is. If I had to pick one lure, I would most likely pick a jigging spoon mm -hmm. like the sonic bait fish because of the fact it not only emulates you know a small fish but it can emulate any type of bait and as long as you got the right color and the right size you know you, you can do anything and, and i i've watched uh, pete roscoe the gentleman that designed is the guy that he designed the crippled herring i mean you know mm -hmm. it, it's a, a competing product against ours i don't care it's one of those parts that was a very very good fishing tool and i fished with pete uh, alaska florida i fished with him a number of different places and i have literally watched him fishing along nine or ten other people and he's the only person that's catching a fish right because of the fact that a jigging spoon there is no correct way to actually fish it is what you do is you're moving that jigging spoon and trying to trigger those fish into biting. And there's one way or movement that ends up triggering those fish to bite. So, you know, large uh, large sweeps, mm -hmm. short sweeps, short right. jigs, short movements, everything was changed. And if you guys noticed, when we first got there, we were, we were using real large movements, a lot of stuff attracting fish, trying to get them close to the boat, trying to get them close to your jig. Uh, you know, uh, twitching it and getting bit, but longer or closer to dark, dark those fish didn't want that. Yeah. You know, we were almost dead sticking it at yeah. the end. That's what where, I was where you were just, you know, just a couple quick twitches yeah. and, yeah. you know, letting it dead stick. And then we were getting bit. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it is. That, and, that was and, pretty neat how that changed. And, and that just shows two you, hours. Yeah, yeah. That, that just shows you the difference of fishing a jigging spoon you can trigger those fish into biting but you have to figure out what that is mm -hmm. and most people go out and they cast it out three or four or five times they don't get bit and they pull it off and they put something else on that's the problem is you have to continually work with it for a little bit to figure out what is going to trigger those fish to bite yeah it was so it was really interesting how that happened and i i don't know i think as they concentrated more in the evening on those flats mm -hmm. yeah. um, and the sun started going down, they became, for whatever reason, a little less active. And we just kept changing up the way we were jigging, which was really yeah. interesting. Oh, it was. It and, was. you know, Eric had said something like, you know, the what would he call it? The triple Sammy? Triple Sammy. <laughs> triple Sammy. Yeah, he called it the triple yeah. Sammy. He, and he was getting bit that way. So he was being aggressive with it. And then after a while, we just started, like Bobby said, we just started Slowing that jigging slowing down. that jigging down. You give it a little couple little short ones, and then you just hold it, and they and that's when they would bite. I think that was about the time that we caught the same fish on each of our lures. Oh yeah, we did Pull, do that. Pulled up one fish on my lure and Richie's lure, but I didn't even you know I was hardly jigging at the time. It came and just took it, and then what ran into Richie's and took his. Well, you know, I, at first I thought, oh well, when we saw that, I'm like, oh, I just hooked into it. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, that thing hit my jig too because it wasn't like it ran into it, you know, and it started pulling. Yeah. It was like I got bit. Yeah. You know, and that was the craziest thing. And there he was with two of those 
<laughs> Sonic bait fish. That was great. While you guys were playing around with that one fish, I think I caught two more. Yeah. Bobby was a silent assassin <laughs> well, back there. Well, they, were fight, they were fighting each other and the fish. And <laughs> uh, the, that was cool. The that marketer was... in me has to tell you to uh, to go subscribe to the Mac Attack because we do a column on the Sonic Bait Fish every single month. Pete Roscoe writes it. And uh, it's a pretty unique fishing tool because it has three different attachment points. There's all sorts of ways you can fish it, swim it, cast it, jig it, whatever you want to do. So uh, go check that out. Um, that was a really fun trip, and uh, and uh, so we, we have a video of that up on our Facebook and Instagrams, and um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, but when we get back, we're gonna talk a little uh, ice fishing for kokanee and trout. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know one of the best ice rigs that I've used in a long time is the ice rigs that we have at Max Lure. They're both designed with a sling blade as an attractor. It helps draw those fish in from a long ways away. Then down below, you've either got a glow hook or a humdinger. They're phenomenal for triggering fish to want to bite. Uh, you can bait them, not bait them, put scent on them, not put scent on them. Both ways, you know, it just depends on what those fish are looking for on any given day. But they work extremely, extremely well. You need to get ice rig packs at Max Lure, and we've got them at any of your uh, local retailers or at maxlure.com. And we're back. That ice rig's a hell of a tool. Oh, it's a phenomenal tool. I mean, the, the whole reason we put it together is because that's what we use. <laughs> it <laughs> it, it, it kind of works. Which yeah. brings us to our next topic, which is uh, ice fishing for kokanee and trout. And, uh, Richie's done some uh, really amazing uh, episodes of the Northwest Outdoorsman up in Canada using all the tools we're about to talk about. And uh, Bobby has a ton of experience doing it as well. He's been in every single one of those episodes. So um, you guys want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how you guys are targeting those fish and uh, whereabouts you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and it's uh, pretty disappointing for us with the border having been closed for so long because, you know, we'd be planning right now to go up and... and COVID. <laughs> we'd be planning right now to go up and, and do some some ice fishing. And I think this, you know, this kind of all started with uh, a friend of ours, uh, Max Lure Pro Staffer Danny Coyne, who uh, said, hey, it would be pretty neat if you guys came up and showed you how to do a little ice fishing for kokanee and jigging for them and uh, thought man that'd make a really cool television show so we went up there and you know Danny showed us the ropes how to do it and you know for Bobby and I that's new you know the way that you do that was uh, kind of new we've um, not now. not done a lot of ice fishing in our life just because a lot of the places that we grew up around you know to stay either open water or there just isn't that opportunity and so you know having them show us how to do this has been kind of a phenomenal experience but you know who would thought that maybe you could jig up a kokanee through the ice with the same kind of attractors we're using when we're trolling so danny's danny he's with bc fishing he uh he kind of came up with the idea for that ice rig yeah yeah yeah. no he he He'd been playing around with it and, uh, you know, really kind of designed the whole thing because of the fact that it works so well. You right. Know, and, and just doing some playing around that four inch, four inch sling blade and a glow hook is originally is what he was using. 
and we, you know, that's what we started out with. And then we started doing a little playing around and, and actually use the, uh, the, uh, sling blade and the, uh, humdinger, the eighth ounce humdinger. And, and both of them worked very, very mm-hmm. well. You know, certain times you need to have, uh, certain size of, of, of bait or, or your, uh, lure at the end. And sometimes that, that bigger profile works better, and sometimes a smaller profile oh, works yeah, better. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it just, it just depended on, you know, you start out with one, try the other, play around, you know. But the thing that was really neat is, you know, using that sling blade. Uh, I remember uh, Mark when he first got that that uh, that whole setup that he had. We're uh, talking about uh, Mark Roseboom, who's the owner of Lone Butte Sporting Goods. Yeah, yeah, he... Uh, he got that that first uh, unit set up to where we could look underneath the ice and, oh, and look out uh, like three or four hundred feet in any direction, and you'd see a school at two hundred and twenty feet away from you, and everybody would start jigging with those sling blades, and that whole school you could watch them. They'd turn and they'd start coming over there, and then once they got close, then you'd you'd slow down your jigging and, and you'd just do a little bit of twitching and stuff like that. And you either had the sling blade or the uh, glow hook on or a uh, humdinger uh, tipped with a, a maggot or a piece of corn or something and, you know, have a little bit of scent. And I'm telling you what, it was phenomenal, unbelievable. I mean, you, you, watching them coming. We, oh, yeah. Watching that whole school turn and, and come over towards you was just we were laughing so hard you couldn't even i can't believe that richie even got a segment out of it because we, <laughs> we were laughing so damn hard the whole time that i mean oh it was just unreal yeah that you know in a way it's just like what we talked about previously with the the walleye in terms of presenting the bait yeah in the way that the fish want yep and like bobby said you know one of the things i mean the water is so clear up there in those lakes that we fish in they can see for a long ways away. And so bigger jigs get those sling blades to move erratically and reflect on a lot of light, which there is through the ice, and that would attract them from far away. Sometimes if you stayed with that big jig, then they'd bite because they'd be excited. Other times you just needed to really slow that jigging down, sometimes even just dead stick it once they got there, yeah, and then they would bite. So it all depended on, what again, what the fish wanted Sure. And kind of sure. learning how to do that. And then, um, you know, when a kokanee strikes and you got to pull him up through a little six-inch hole in the ice, <laughs> you want to talk about a blast. You know, one thing I was going to tell you that if you want to check it out, because it got some really cool underwater footage of all of this stuff. Um, the one, of, one of the episodes called uh, Ice Cold Kokanee. And, uh, you know, that's one of those trips that we had that we did really well. And so if you go to the Herod Outdoors YouTube channel, and look for ice cold kokanee um, you'll be able to see some of those underwater shots of you know the fish um, and how much they fight under the ice when you get them hooked up and, and you know just how fun that kind of a fishery is well i will tell you you know it, it the kokanee catching kokanee under the ice was a phenomenal phenomenal thing but the one that i missed out on and it just pisses me off to no end is when you went up and fished those eastern brook. Oh, oh yeah. pretty fish. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Mark. You're using cripplers then, right? Yeah, yeah, we use cripplers. Um, Mark Roseboom took me out on this to to this lake. 
And up there, there's so many lakes. Oh, there, there's lakes everywhere. And we drive out in the dark. I have no idea where we're at, and still <laughs> somewhere in Canada. Somewhere in Canada, I can't find. It didn't didn't really matter. But the, you know what? The thing was, is he takes me out there, and he goes, <laughs> typical Mark, you know. Oh yeah, there's there's some good good trout in here. We'll catch them. And he goes, the it the ice. I go, well, how thick's the ice? Because it was kind of early. I think it was in December. And he says, well, it's it's ten inches. It's plenty thick enough. And uh, he, closer we get to lake, we start unpacking everything. He goes, but the ice is really clear and it doesn't look very thick, but trust me, it is. <laughs> and, so, and so everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> so we walk out on this ice and it's just like glass, and you can see the water, and you just feel like you're gonna take a step and you're gonna go down. <laughs> and and to top it off, it was a fairly nice day. I mean, it was a little bit overcast, but there's a bit of sun here and there. And that lake is popping and cracking. Yeah, I'm crawling out there. <laughs> and yeah. I'm oh, like, yeah. oh God, Mark. He goes, trust me, it's deep enough, you know. And so we. Scoot- yeah, I know the water's we- deep enough. <laughs> We scooch, we scooch out there, and finally he drills a hole, and it, it is solid, ten inches thick. I mean, it's thick. You can drive a truck on ten inches. It's unreal, <laughs> but that popping and cracking, and the fact that you could see right through it was, uh, you know, pretty interesting. But anyway, those, uh, you know, those brook brookies, they were huge, and they bit like crazy. And uh, the cripplers were great because. A crippler, you know, usually if you're casting it, again, it kind of looks like a wounded fish because it has so much wobble to it. And, you know, when you're fishing down through the ice and you're using it like a jig, you could just drop it down there and let it sit, and it doesn't look like much. But if you jig it up and let it fall, it just wobbles. Yeah, you get that flutter. You get that flutter, and then we were tipping it with a little bit of shrimp and some some scent, some Procure scent. And, of course, uh, same kind of a thing that we were just talking about is they would come over and you jig a lot and then they come in the area and you could actually look through the ice and see them and then uh you a lot of times you just let it sit there and then they would strike and oh my goodness and are you fishing those naked or are you fishing it with a sling blade as well no, we weren't using a sling blade. We're just uh, just using that as crip lure. So that's the difference between you know the ice rig versus a, a, right. you know, a lure that's going to produce, produce yep. its own action. And the that's one correct. thing about fishing for them, we're in a lot shallower water. Mm-hmm. So we, you know you could look down yeah, through well, the we hole. We were fishing the kokanee. We were fishing in anywhere from uh, twenty-five to fifty, sixty feet deep. Oh yeah, exactly. So you'd look down in the hole, of course, and it would be the 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 deep dark blue yeah but when you're up there where we're fishing for these brookies we're in about 10 to 15 feet of water and you look down and you could actually see the bottom see the vegetation on the bottom sure and so um it didn't take much attraction in that area where those fish were feeding for them to come see what the heck it was and so um man and they just hammered and those are the biggest brookies i think i've ever caught i mean it was unreal yeah yeah and, and I missed it. And I sent him a lot of pictures. Yeah, it was great. And I'm down here rolling around on my back <laughs> screaming because I can't go fishing. Because he couldn't go fishing. Jeez. But, yeah, that was a uh, another really great trip, and uh, um, a similar, similar kind of thing. You know, it's about attracting the fish by the movement of the lure and then figuring out what it is when they get in your vicinity to get them to strike. And sometimes it was continuing to cause that flutter sometimes it would be to hold it very still and that changed throughout the day sure sure well you know that that's the whole thing that people don't think about is is you know even when you're trolling 
you know, we, we always call it doing the crazy Ivan, right. you know, you do the crazy Ivan, you're doing, doing S, S turns and those S turns, you know, your inside rods are, are dropping, your outside rods are going faster. Um, you know, you're trying to trigger that fish into wanting to bite, you know, all the things that we want to put on there, all the colors, all the movement, all something needs to trigger them into wanting to bite. Right. And that, that's the name of the game with, with any type of fishing is, is triggering them into wanting to bite. Sometimes, guess what? They're going to bite anything. Mm-hmm. But on any given day, everything's different as far as, you know, trolling speeds, as far as jigging, as far as, you know, what type of movement you need to put on that particular lure in order to trigger them to want to eat something. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's uh, matching what their forage base is. Sure. So whatever that color combination is, whatever that movement is for a wounded fit, whatever it is that they're feeding on that gets them to, to bite is what you're after. You're trying to mimic what their food base is. Yep, yep, and absolutely, pure, absolutely. Pure and simple. And they didn't take me up to Canada to go we fish didn't, for Eastern Brook. No, we didn't want to take him. Yeah. Great. I think maybe it might have been work or something got in the way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, Bobby. I've never been invited. So. Oh. <laughs> I will tell you, though, he, he was mentioning that first time. I, you know, being in the industry for 39 years, I, I've had the opportunity over the years to go ice fishing with, with you know, phenomenal people. The the Linders, uh, Babe Winkleman, you know, I mean, a bunch of these different guys. And, and I've never gone ice fishing and so when we go to canada the first time and do this ice fishing segment we start going out on the ice and lance and i are looking at each other (laughs) like what in the hell are we doing out here i mean the ice is popping and cracking and stuff and and the ice is like you know 15 18 inches deep you know thick through and and we have no idea and we get out there and start fishing and, and pretty soon you forget all of that stuff that's right but then the sun comes up and and all of a sudden stuff starts popping Pop and, and everything you're looking around like what the hell <laughs> lance yeah. lance murs a, a good friend of ours who used to work for max lure continues to be a promoter of max lure products and and he's a big dude Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's a big dude. I remember dude. going out there the first time. He goes, will you guys pull me out in the sled? I said, get the hell out of there. Yeah. I'm not pulling you out there. You're walking. That was a different episode, which yeah. you guys want to watch. Um, it's uh, Lake Aileen Kokanee, and it's also on the YouTube channel. But the funniest part of that whole show is when Danny starts telling him the safety about going on the ice because their first time okay oh yeah first, first time going out on the ice and there's all kinds of things to know about the ice and even though it was really really thick and there was really no chance of something like that happening <laughs> danny still gave a little safety briefing which is wise <laughs> <laughs> and lance just like going uh you know a big strong you know former army mp you know he's uh, <laughs> are you sure about this and, and of course what you know what'll happen on lakes a lot of times during the course of the winter is it might warm up a little bit and you get a little melt on the top oh yeah we had that slush on and top. then oh. and then it, and then it will freeze again and so then you'll get this tiny false layer that's only you know 
three or four inches deep, but when you step on it, you break through. So you feel like, oh, I'm going to break through. But there's, you know, 18 inches of solid ice below that. And that was the best part of it. The first couple oh. steps out there, I thought he was going to crap himself. Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> he was like, oh, God, I'm going down. <laughs> that was awesome. Danny gives us the briefing, and, and Lance and I are looking at each other like, what the hell are we doing? Yeah, what out are we here? doing? <laughs> But like you said, once we got out there, and and that was really great because Danny, he's showing the technique of how to do it. And, and Danny's really good at him. And just like we've been talking about, a lot of it comes down to technique and how you present the, the gear. And he was showing, you know, drop it down. That gets the sling blade to flutter. Usually put a nice little bend in it so it flutters down, causes the attraction, and then gets the fish to come over. And he's showing us the, you know, the technique, and he gets bit, and there's no bait. There's no nothing on it. So it's like... Oh, yeah, the oh, first, the first oh drop. God, well, here we go. It's going to be awesome, you know. And, and it was it ended up being okay, but it wasn't like hot. We just thought, oh, man, we're, we're just going to oh, kill them. We're just going to kill them. Yeah, <laughs> I almost put a hole in the tent. Yeah, that was on, that was on the other <laughs> got, trip. That was funny. I, I got bit on the way up, and I started reeling up, and, and all of a sudden something bites, and I just jerk. Goes right up through the tent almost. I mean, holy cow. That was ridiculous. Yeah, he was trying to make a steelhead set, you know, it doesn't quite work that way. He just, he just set the hook, you know, set the hook, but not like, you know, jerked yeah. their lips off, Bobby. Yeah. You know what? They got to pay to play, baby. <laughs> well, we're going to take another quick break, and when we get back, uh, we'll see how Bobby's elk hunts went. Oh, boy. Last week. We'll see how that goes. We'll be right back. We want to thank you for listening to the We Are Outdoorsman podcast. And as a thank you, we have sweatshirts, great sweatshirts that I know you'll like with the trademark We Are Outdoorsman logo and antler down the sleeve. Go to HerodOutdoors.com and at checkout, enter WAO20. That's WAO20. You get $10 off. And it's only for those of you listening to this podcast. All right, we're back. And uh, in our first episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast, we talked about Richie getting his elk. And uh, Bobby's not one to be outdone. So um, he, <laughs> he went out, he went out uh, a couple last couple weekends. And uh, did you have any luck? <laughs> yeah, I, luck. Absolutely. Absolute luck. Absolute luck. Yeah. Well. And here, what we call that is a, a unicorn. I guess we should explain why. Yeah. And hunting's been hard around here. Well, it, it's not only hard, but when, when you're elk hunting, you know, uh, the uh, modern rifle, um, not only modern rifle, but uh, muzzle loader as well as uh, archery, you know, in this particular unit, uh, up in the Clockham unit, you know, you're, you're talking, uh, you're hunting unicorns because you can only shoot what is deemed a, quote, true spike right not just a spike a true spike right and a true spike the definition is there are no protrusions above four inches from the skull above that point which means that you know we've we've got we've got probably one of the the larger herds with large antler bulls oh, yeah. that exist up here on in the western states i mean you can you can go around i saw eight animals on opening day one of them was a unicorn that i ended up shooting <laughs> okay. 
and the other the other seven, <laughs> the other seven were large antler bulls, and those large antler bulls were anywhere from, I would say probably a three twenty bull all the way up to probably a three eighty or three ninety bull. Yeah, you know we're talking huge bulls. So as what happens is the this whole breeding program that we've got going up here, uh, those those first year bulls, those spikes, ha- a lot of them have a fork on the top or three on one side, spike on the other, two on one side, spike on the other, you know, above the four inch mark. And, you know, you're literally hunting for a unicorn. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I think this herd's uh, dwindled down to, thanks to our illustrious state, uh, down to uh, like 4,000 animals. And you got 7,000 people hunting on 4,000 animals looking for a true spike. So by the time you get all your percentages whittled down, you know, you're looking for 25 animals throughout that whole, that whole thing. So we're hunting unicorns. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I can't believe you found one. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, Hey, hey, blind pig's got to find an acorn once in a while, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But you not only found one, so you got yours. Let me let me hear the story. Yeah, how did let's you? Hear, let's hear how you. Found how did you one? find you one? What did you do? One. Well, you know, it, <laughs> this one particular area that I've hunted, uh, it, it uh, I've seen a number of animals in there. So I, I'm hunting through this particular area, and and uh, I jump an animal in the timber. I can't see it, but I can hear it scrambling through the rocks, and I know if I get about another 120 yards further around the ridge that there is an, a pretty good open patch that I can see all the way to the top and you know I want I want to get out there but instead of just scrambling and running I just took my time and, and made the least amount of noise possible and kind of snuck up there and I got up to the uh, to that open patch and I start looking well, right off the bat, when I jumped the animal, I hear this scrambling and running and everything. And then everything kind of, I, I just, I didn't hear any more noise. So that's, that's when I backed off and, and just started slowing down and, and moved up to that point. Well, I got up there and I'm, I'm looking around, looking around, looking around. All of a sudden here through an opening, here comes an animal. And it's about 300 yards up the ridge. And, and you know, it was just one of those things. It was straight up and down type situation. Got down on the bipod, uh, looked at it, looked at it, looked at it. I can't find any protrusions above the horns, uh, nothing. Bam! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. And uh, so I, I uh, was fortunate enough to, yeah. uh, to find a unicorn on opening day. And, uh, you know, worked out pretty good. Yeah. Had, uh, Dallas and Colton come in and help me pack it out. And it's your, your nephews, right? Yeah. Yeah. My nephew and, and one of my boys and, and, uh, we, uh, we packed the thing out, got it out of there and, and kind of lucked out and the middle of the week, Dallas, (laughs) you know, I know I'm blackballed. I'm blackballed. I can't draw a cow tag. I can't draw an antler bull tag. I can't, oh, they you know, have you. They have your number. Oh, absolutely. They, they yeah. said Bob Loomis. He, oh, yeah. does, he gets yeah. nothing. Yeah, zero, nothing. <laughs> Colton's got a cow tag. Dallas got a cow tag. Dustin and his wife have a cow tag. You know, everybody's got a cow tag, but Bob. 
Well, you, well, oh, you, yeah. you found yeah. a unicorn, though. You're all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you, know, you got to work ten times harder. Yeah, but, right. Uh, during the middle of the week, uh, Dallas found a cow uh, relatively close to the road, so he ended up filling his tag. And uh, then on that Saturday... You convinced Kimberly to let you go hunting again. Well, it, it, it was it was not really Kimberly. It was like my, my nephew, Colton. He uh, We kind of got in trouble because we stayed up until like 2 o'clock in the morning cutting elk meat and deer meat up and, and you know, getting things processed. And so we got in about 2 o'clock in the morning and, and Colton's wife told him that, that he had to stay home. <laughs> so, i'm just i'm just being you know just being truthful you know he he's gonna have to stay home you, you know what jeff told me what what is he trying to stay married is that it <laughs> it's elk season yeah, no kidding come on oh, i about died laughing when he said that so uh, about noon one o'clock i finally sent colton a text i said hey we we gonna go out this afternoon, you know, what's going on, you know? So what's he do? He puts me on the speakerphone. and oh, he, great. And he, yeah, Make it, you the bad guy. Oh, exactly. He goes, hey, Maddie, Uncle Bob wants to know if, we're, if we can go elk hunting. <laughs> oh, yeah, get out of here. I mean, he wasn't over there, you know, like yeah. 20 minutes later. He's at the house waiting to go. <laughs> oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. So we, so we, uh. We take off and, and get up on the hill and, you know, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, second day to the last, second to the last day of the season on, on Saturday. And we drive up there and, you know, I'm 58 years old. I can't see as well as I used to, <laughs> but something caught my eye and I stopped and I look and I, and I know I saw an elk and it, it was probably uh, oh probably 900 to 1000 yards up on the hill but the thing is is where it was at yeah there's only one thing that's going to catch my eye you yeah. know going through the timber and that was an animal so we start looking pretty soon we spotted some some animals bedded down and you know there's an animal there there's an animal there well where we were looking from at 1000 yards you just couldn't you couldn't see everything right so I run Colton up the road about, oh, half a mile, three quarters of a mile. And he, he's going to go in to where he can look within like two or 300 yards of, of these animals, be right, uh, right straight across from them, try to find some type of opening where he can at least look and see what's there, you know. So I go dump him off and I go run back down to the road where I was at and get the spotting scope out and I'm looking and looking and looking and all of a sudden, I look back up the draw, and, and, and Colton, you know, oh, there's a cow, 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 the big antler bull, cow, cow. And, you know, he's looking at these animals down where we're, we'd spotted them. Right. And I look up about 150 yards up the drainage. Well, hell, there's none at all. And I start looking at Oh my God, it's a unicorn. <laughs> it's another unicorn. There, there's nothing on it. And we're talking no protrusions anywhere, no eye guards, no nothing. I, I get on. I said, Colton, you need to go up the drainage about 150 yards, right straight across from you. These animals are feeding down into the bottom. By the time you get to the bottom, you should be right, right in the middle of them. So just take your time. And then I start looking, and, and I, oh my God, there's another animal there. And I start looking. Oh, it's a spike on the right side. And I look. Oh, this is not good. 
big giant fork on the other side. Uh-oh. Oof. <laughs> and then I spotted another animal next to it. So I, and I couldn't see the head on that one. So I get on there and I tell Colton, I said, look, there, there's, there's a spike by fork in there. You got to make sure and pay attention to yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. So the elk feed out of sight. I lose sight of Colton. I have no idea. So I just sit back, get a candy bar out, Diet Coke. I'm sitting there and I'm just waiting for a shot. Protect the truck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm protecting the truck again. You know, I'm protecting the truck. <laughs> That's great. Way to bring that up again. <laughs> nice job, Britain. <laughs> Jesus. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm protecting Bob, the truck. Protecting the truck. Exactly, exactly. So I wait and wait and wait. Bam! Oh my God, he shot! <laughs> <laughs> oh, about about uh, three or four minutes later, Uncle Bob, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be dang. Yeah, another unicorn. Wow. So we went in there and and uh, I. Uh, Quartered it up in the in the dark and it was snowing and it oh, was wow. absolutely gorgeous and packed it out about uh, it was not a, a real difficult pack called Dallas Dallas came up and and helped us pack it out and you know half hour later we're back at the rig man you're you're set up for the winter now oh I'm telling you what man we're, <laughs> we're I'm, good we're I'm just good. I'm just amazed that you oh you know I mean it's one thing you know to uh, to get one, but to see in a family, you know, but to, uh-huh. to see see more, uh-huh. and and then get two, man, I'm telling you, hey, what I'm are the chance? What are the chances? Well, you know what? I'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah, I mean, it's well, just it's one of those things. That's how that, it goes. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, you go years without seeing an animal, or you go years, yeah. you know, where you see a couple of them. But, but those will be the best eaten. Oh, yeah. elk you know i mean really i oh, mean they're fantastic. i like shooting a big bull but when it comes to eating that's no spike you can't beat that oh absolutely absolutely you know what take what you can get <laughs> i love unicorns yeah. they eat good <laughs> can you believe that Britton? he got lucky he got super lucky and yep. uh well he helped on another one so he's up half an elk on you i know <laughs> so you better go get a mule deer soon right? i need to yeah i mean that's what's coming up next for me so Got to try to get a muley late archery. There you go. Late We've got archery. snow, so I, don't know. I, t- I tried to go up. And, Could be and go up in that northeast corner of the state, and I'm telling you what, it didn't matter what it was, whether the refrigerator dies or you know, got to go take care of. Uh, you mean life gotten away? Oh yeah, pretty much. So <laughs> yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't make it up there, but Colton got a good deer. So. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It's been a pretty successful hunting season. Yeah, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, be sure to. Like, subscribe, listen, do all of the above, and then uh, be sure to go follow us on our new Instagram page, WAO Podcast on Instagram and WAO uh, on Facebook. Go like us there. Uh, We will be back next Wednesday with another episode. Uh, Christmas is coming, so make sure you head to MaxStore.com or Herod Outdoors and get all your gifts. And until next week, we'll talk to you later. (laughs) 